You're listening. No. You're listening to the Buns.com Podcast Network. (laughs) (laughs) Buns, Buns, Buns. I want to give you something real, but I don't know where to start. Darling, let's make a deal. I want to give you my heart. I would trade anything for love. Hey, guys. Welcome to ISO, the Buns Podcast. So this week is a special one because it's our debut of the Ask Boris segment. So if you have questions, email them to Boris, askboris at buns.com. Anyway, it might be a longer one, so I'm not going to uh, go crazy with the intros and stuff. But uh, as always, here is This Week in Buns. Here we are! It's me, Laura, again. Sans Oren, as we know, he is away in Korea doing the Olympic Games, which is so exciting. Be jealous, obviously. So today is a very exciting day. As we, as I had said, we we're going to do some collab episodes. And today, doing a collab episode that I've been literally talking about forever. If you're a a avid listener, I quite literally talk about this all the time. Doing a collab with the Crystal Ballroom Podcast. And we have finally Vanessa here. And I literally saved this for when Oren wasn't here, so it could be all about me. (laughs) So, Vanessa, obviously, if they're listening to the ISO Buns podcast, they're probably listening to Crystal Ballroom. But for those that maybe don't, do you want to tell them maybe, like, what it's about? Yeah. So, we are one of the Buns podcast flagship shows, like, made in-house, blah, blah, blah. Koji is my co-host, and he's the guy that runs the, the network, and he used to host ISO for you long-time listeners. <laughs> Um, and so we, we were a weekly show. We're on hiatus right now and we're just sort of rejigging some back end things before we get back to it. But, um, we're, we were like a weekly show where we interviewed musicians and bands. Um, it was half regular normie interview (laughs) and then it was half, um, tarot reading. So we would read their cards, answer their questions and just like be chill and cool and spooky. I love that. That's what we do. Chill, cool, spooky. Yeah, man. Love it. And you have a really interesting take on tarot cards from the last time I had talked to you about it. Uh, Maybe, I guess. I don't know know if it's interesting or not, but like for me, like I just see the cards as being like a psychological tool with like esoteric trappings. And so it's like you can sort of take it as like spoopy as you want it to be. Um. But for me, it's very much like, it's like telling a story and it's like a way of reframing stuff yeah. that you're dealing with or you have questions about. And it's a good way to reorient yourself with how you actually feel about a situation. And it sort of forces you to be honest with yourself or to rethink how you're approaching things and how you're um, actualizing yeah. things in your life. Um, like I'm not super superstitious or religious or anything mm-hmm. like that. So the cards for me are a bit more, like I read based in like Jungian psychology, 
like imagery and stereotypes. And mm-hmm. I'm forgetting all my words right now because <laughs> I've had like a long work day, but you sound pretty good to me. Sound pretty yeah. good to me. Google it. Yeah, just Google it, guys. Jeez, use the internet. So we're gonna do a little like go over some of the stories that happened this week as per the podcast, and then we're gonna do the tarot cards. I'm so effing excited. I only had my tarot cards read one time, but it was like a very quick five-minute thing actually at one of the fleas, Bun's Flea. Mm -hmm. I can't remember her name at the moment, but um, this one woman that reads tarot cards, she has her own studio. I should have this name up, but she 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 read my cards, and I was like, I've always wanted them like done, Mm -hmm. so I'm excited that we're doing it, but today. All right, so first story comes... uh, from okay this was kind of uh just like in the theme of spring because we're it's like march it's like march tomorrow or something it's today oh my gosh the first day of march i think oh that's why there was such i think it is there was such long lineups at the ttc yeah when i was getting here i was like what is happening but dude it's march 1st yeah so in the spirit of gardening (laughs) getting those buds ready to be planted um katie posted garden buns Apparently on 113 Massey Street, there was a bunch of pots full with solid and mixed peat moss. So, like, I, like, only know peat moss because, like, my mom gardens. But, like, what a random thing to be just, like, out in the street. But I was wondering, Vanessa, do you, like, garden at all? You a gardener? don't anymore. I used to be super into it. I used to live on a farm, actually. What? Um, No way. Where? Up towards Barry, okay. There's a small town called Minasing, okay. And I lived on a farm, technically outside of Minasing, I think. Whoa, when maybe did you it was move just to, on the edge of Minasing. When did you move to the city? Um, well, I like grew up in the city, so oh. I was just on the farm for a year. It was sort of like woofing, but it wasn't woofing. What's woofing? Um, I forget what woofing stands for, but it's basically like a bunch of like young hippies will go to farms and they'll, it's like a live work exchange program oh i see so you go and you farm and you learn how to live off of the land and in exchange the farmer houses you and feeds you and sometimes pays you like a small stipend um that is a lot so of people cool. woof to travel the world because you can essentially live for free yeah and it's a good skill to have and you can go to farms like all over the place that's so, so cool, cool. Yeah. when did you do this my timing memory is super bad if anyone listens to the show they'll know that i can't remember when anything happens oh it was just a thing yeah i just just did it once (laughs) i don't know maybe like five years ago or something like that that's crazy that's amazing damn but now i don't garden yeah no longer after the wolf yeah i'm all woofed out i'm all woofed out my mom we have like a little um the extent to our gardening is like we have like a little like herb like not basket but like a small square thing but this past summer we tried to like garden mm-hmm. and i like went ape shit at the gardening store because my mom was like here's my visa like get a few plants like pretty much she was just like get some zucchini get some tomatoes that's all we need yeah. and i literally like bought like all this bucket i'm like red swiss chard done i was like sweet corn you bet i'm getting sweet corn yeah everything died yeah. Everything died except for the tomatoes and the zucchini. So yeah. that just shows how green of a thumb yeah. I have. That, that's always what happens when you start, though, is you're just like, I'm so excited. I'm going to yeah. garden all the things. And oh, then everything, everything dies, and you're just like, 
I'm a murderer and a failure <laughs> as a human being. And I'm never doing this again. I mean, to be fair, the place that we planted it was like in the back of our backyard that like got sun maybe like for one hour of the day. And I was like, yeah. this will be fine. Oh, and it's it, destined for failure. Yeah, I know. I kind of set myself it's up. destined for failure on that one. But oh, well. anyways. Okay. Lesson learned. Lesson maybe for- <laughs> pick up some peat moss. You can start it up again. Yeah, alkaline your soil, your soil or whatever. Or is it a? I think peat moss actually is acidic. I don't know. Wow, you know more about peat moss than me. (laughs) Peat moss enthusiast over here. I gotta start wolfing. Then I'll then I'll know more. Then you'll know. (laughs) Um, We have another post, uh, like another interesting like curbler, or not curbler, but um, like giveaway for free. That didn't make sense. Anyways. Timmer is posting a pool table. So it's a coin-operated pool table that he's like, it's at Duncan and Adelaide, and he's got to get rid of it today or tomorrow. So it's like an immediate thing. It's free. It works. And just for pickup, this massive pool table that's like coin-operated. I'm like, what? Did he say why he's getting rid of it and why he needs it gone immediately? No, there's... And that's the thing about buns sometimes. People just like post like, this needs to be get this yeah. needs to get out right now and it's like this amazing thing this like i was like <laughs> i just yeah that was my literal question like who what when where why we'll never know we'll never know we'll never get him on the show know. literally get him on a future episode we need to know buns needs it's, answers yeah, we need answers and we need it right now his name's timmer i'm not gonna butcher this last name but crazy okay do you listen to abba at all are you like an abba fan or are you a? I feel like I you're either with or against like, I wouldn't say I'm a super fan. I grew up listening to ABBA, so I definitely enjoy mm-hmm. their tunes. I have their best of album. Cool. It's a two final, like two disc album. Mm-hmm. But I don't go out of my way to listen to ABBA. Yeah, fair. So it's so crazy that you say that because this girl has the best of album, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the two disc, but it's the platinum records. Whoa. So she's got this thing um, from 1970. Oh, no, no. Sorry. It's not the best of. It's their album Revival, 1977. Features such hits as Dancing Queen and Knowing Me and Knowing You. Uh-huh. Anyways, so she's got these like two platinum records. Who just has, okay, A, who just has platinum records in their yeah. house? And B, who just gives them away on buns? Yeah, literally. What is this person's life? I know. Is Isla, or Isia, crazy. But anyway, she's got these two platinum records. It's like framed and everything. Like it look, it's ready to be freaking hung up in your home. Should you love Abba that much? I love Abba. My friend used to date a um, the Abba su- impersonator. Oh my god! Imagine that would be a red flag, and I would run from that. She used to date this guy that's dad was the head. Um, conductor of the symphony uh-huh. so he would take her to all these like symphony things at the TSO yeah. and one of them was a best of ABBA and they got this cool. band from Reykjavik Iceland to come in and sing and she took me and the thing was you couldn't no one was singing and dancing and they oh, were yeah. and, you know that what I mean in the weird. symphony right yeah. Be, but they were like they're a clear band like the symphony is playing the music but yeah. they're, a band. they're a band it's a concert literally 
And it's all these, like, older, like, grandmas that love fucking ABBA. Mm -hmm. And then, like, us young people, because she, like, brought me and our, another friend. Mm -hmm. And I, she, I wanted to sing so badly. And they were like, Laura, you can't do it. You can't <laughs> sing. And I'm sitting in my chair, literally, like, it's all bottling up in me till the end when the guy was like, come on, girl, sing along. And I honestly <laughs> shot out of my seat. Like, it was like a champagne bottle that had just been shot. And I was like, the cork that exploded up. Yeah. God, yeah. love it. It's almost cruel to play ABBA and not allow people to sing and dance along. Right? Cruel is the right word for that yeah. thing. Fuck. Um, so this is um, really kind of... I never, I've never had bad roommates. Okay. You're very blessed. I am blessed. Because I've never... I mean, I guess to be fair, I've really life. only had one set of roommates that I've I lived with for like three years all throughout university mm -hmm. so I haven't really been like hopping around from roommate to roommate mm -hmm. so I feel like my experience mm -hmm. is limited mm -hmm. in that way however um this guy's roommate on buns they moved to the Yukon first of all okay interesting okay. gold she, rush gold rush she left her entire VHS collection at the house that oh. consisted of literally I want to say seven like large boxes like banker boxes full of vhs tapes i know someone who might be into that yeah yeah and it's like i gotta he, pass that one along yeah because these people are like it's just literally piled up in our house like there's easily 200 vhs's he says are there close-ups can you see what movies are in the collection no oh he gives um some description here he goes uh, there's some Disney horror, some anime, 90s cult classics. Nothing seemingly rare, but a lot of fun stuff for a collection. Hmm. Yeah. All they want is um, two bags of the Kicking Horse coffee. That's a pretty good For food. everything. I guess, yeah. And he's yeah. like, it's going to take you at least two TTC trips or you're going to need a vehicle. Because <sighs> there's so much fucking VHSs. <laughs> and those things are like, combined all together, yeah. they're pretty heavy. Yeah. They take up, they're very bulky. Yeah, that's they the thing. They take up a lot of space. So they're like not into it. Who do you think would be interested in this? Um, you know a guy? I know a guy. I know a guy. He's somewhat of an aficionado of the VHS uh, medium. Mm hmm. So I'll pass it on. Pass it on. Pass it on. Um, He's a VHS guy. You know. One of those guys. One of those guys. <laughs> um, okay, did you ever watch Hey Arnold? No. Do you know what that is, though? Yeah. The Nickelodeon show. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. Hey Arnold was real big for me <laughs> as a little kiddly wink. And this guy has, like, a, an old Wendy's toy. Nice. That's a Hey Arnold, like, just little, like, figurine. Yeah. And it's one of those, like, random-ass things that, like, everybody wants. Yeah. You know? It's, you, like, don't need it till you, it's posted, and you're like, wait. Yeah. Hey Arnold. Hey me. Those posts are always my favorite because mm -hmm. they're the weirdest pop culture nostalgia things. And the person who posts it is always like, edit. Whoa, I didn't know this would blow up so much. Yeah. <laughs> R.I.P. my inbox. Yeah. And then, like, they make some other edit to, like, like, I'll get back to people eventually. Or, like, they'll change, like, what they want for their ISO or whatever. Oh, God. I always find it so out. interesting, yeah. And you never That's know weird. what's going to catch like that, too, you know? Yeah, because sometimes you see posts and you're like, how come no one has responded to this? Yeah. But I think it's just like the Facebook algorithm can yeah. screw up that stuff sometimes. Wacky. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Okay, what else we got here? Oh, this is kind of exciting. Um, so I thought that buns had been around for so much longer than this, and the Facebook group definitely has. But um, in the beginning of February, I didn't catch this until uh, a few days ago, but the buns app, it's its year anniversary. Yeah, the, the app is just a little baby. Yeah. I mean, but even the Facebook group isn't that old. Yeah, it's pretty... It's only like four years old or something like that. So anyways, it's uh, they just years? posted a... Like, if you haven't gotten the app yet, definitely hop on it. It's on App Store and Google Play. It's in over 250 cities. That's exciting. Yeah, it's only it's been a year for this uh, for this app. So, job buns. Good job buns. Just wanted to throw that in there at the end. Proud of you. <laughs> Proud of you buns. Proud of you. Um, last uh, post for today, which was just on trend of like something that's been going around. So, this girl's trading Tide Pods. Okay. So obviously everything blew up on this. Obviously we know about the eating the Tide Pod trend. And everybody's replying being like, like cue memes. Like, and it's just oh, all man. these fucking memes. People are like, ooh, what flavor? Like, what flavors are there? And one person's like, it's the flavor of eternal bliss. Like, well, I'm just like the Tide Pod. Have you, did you try it? <laughs> Vanessa, did you hop on this Tide Pod? Have you potted? Have you potted you? Oh yeah, what, what's the verb for eating a Tide Pod? Pouchin'? Pouchin'? Ew. Poppin' pods. Poppin'? Yeah, poppin' pods. Have you popped a pod? Yeah. Are you a pod popper? <laughs> Are you? I can't say I've tried it, yeah. but never say never. Never say never. Maybe one day. Yo, after I brought some in my bag, if you're down. <laughs> <I'm> just... <laughs> yeah. after, the, after the show is recorded, we'll just go into the back alley and eat Tide Pods. <laughs> what a visual. What a visual. I still don't quite... I'm too old for, like, the trends that the kids are <laughs> down with these days. I don't understand where, how that meme started. Literally. Like, was it a 4chan thing that got out of hand? Or were kids actually like, mmm, Tide Pods? I don't know, to be honest. Definitely something to look into. Mm-hmm. Although, it's probably, like, over now, so. Yeah, I haven't I heard into. anything about Tide Pods in, like, a good two weeks, which means dead meme. Dead meme. But, yeah. So when I just saw it and everybody was like, about it, I was like, ah, funny. So anyways, that's what happened this week. Cool. Exciting. Oh my gosh. All right. And now. The excitement. The part we're all here for. I am here for it. Yeah. Tarot time. All right. So um, I'll give the spiel I normally give on my podcast let's hear it which you can find on the buns podcast network at podcast.buns.com forward slash cbr you can catch up on all of our past episodes blah 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 yeah do it um so uh i read in an intuitive method which means i don't usually use specific spreads um based on your question uh i've been shuffling the cards like this whole time putting my energy into the deck, so then I'm going to give you the cards and have you shuffle them Whoa. to put your energy into the deck. How so? Um, do I just, like, kind of go... Just, like, concentrate. Think about what questions you want to ask and sort of, like, the situation surrounding the questions. And then based on what that question is, we'll determine how we put the cards on the table. Like, And I just go with my gut, which mm-hmm. is what I mean by, like, being an intuitive reader. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if there's anything you need clarification on or you want to like dig deeper we can dig deeper and if Mm -hmm. it's a straight answer then we just like move on um we can keep asking as many questions as we have time for Mm -hmm. if they're related then we don't reshuffle and we'll just like keep 
splitting off of the main deck. If it's sort of a new topic, it'll just quickly mm -hmm. reshuffle. Um, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a lawyer. So no questions related to that stuff. Mm -hmm. And like, yes, no questions are answerable, but they're like, yeah, there's no conversation there usually. Um, so I recommend sort of asking like a who, what, who, what, where, when, how, why, or like, what should I keep in mind? I have choices to make. What should I know about option A and option B? Like mm -hmm. try to keep it more open-ended. It's like yeah. making small talk at a party. Yeah. Try to ask questions that lead to other questions. Mm -hmm. So what like, I, oh geez, like a question. Can it be about anything like career related potentially? Mm -hmm. Totally. Okay. Hmm. Yeah. Try so, not to get like too, too specific. Cause I, I'm not like a mind reader or yeah. like a, fortune teller but um too vague is also like not going to be very helpful so yeah. if you're like again li like a, a good example is what i was saying before like you have a decision to make between like a, two job offers mm -hmm. or like staying in one job and going to a new job and mm -hmm. you should be like what should i know about those what are the pros and cons and mm -hmm. like we can explore that way because it it's rooted in something that we can like pull from okay so to speak oh maybe i should have came come with an idea i'm just feeling like uncertain about the future and my direction okay that's a pretty common one so mm -hmm. what we can do for that is like if there's general life things that you're like my love life my mm -hmm. work life my friends traveling yeah whatever um we can do like piles for that mm -hmm. and then depending on what the cards are can maybe give us some ideas of like where to dig deeper from there okay that's like a pretty pretty common yeah. question that people have i feel like that'll like, be it i'm like a lost millennial what do i do yeah literally literally yeah i'm feeling a lot of like career anxiety like uh -huh. i feel like i have my hands in a lot of different things uh -huh. and i just am feeling like i just want to do like i just want to make sure i'm using my time efficiently that's fair yeah so maybe okay so for that one um i think maybe i would frame it like I'll have you split the deck into as many piles. Yeah, so let's do as many piles as you're like paying attention to, like things you're paying attention to. Mm -hmm. And then plus one. Okay. And then, uh, and then we'll go from there. And each of those piles will be like one of your projects. And it'll give you some insight onto like things to know about what you're doing there. Mm -hmm. And maybe... And we'll go from there. Okay, cool. That's a great idea. Yeah. Okay, should I do that now? Yeah, so before you do that, I'm just going to pull this top card from the deck. And now I want you to do those piles. And when you're putting the piles out, try to sort of assign one to each thing you're doing in your mind. Mm -hmm. You don't have to say it out loud, like as long as you know. Because I'm just going to tell you what the cards mean. And you can be like, whoa, that's incredibly accurate. Yeah. <laughs> or not, but you probably will say that. Okay. So I'll divide it into three. Um, yeah, I think I'm going to do three. Cool. Or maybe four, actually. Oh, wait, and we have an extra Plus pile. one, yeah. Okay, so I'll do four then. So. Oh, I forgot what my third one was. You know what? I'm just going to do three. Okay, and that's your so, plus one pile? That's my plus one. Okay. Because I'm really deciding between two kind of things, I guess. Okay, cool. Oh, wait, no, three. Is it too late? No, it's never too late. Okay. 
So is this your plus one or is this your plus one? This is my plus one. Okay. So an interesting thing to note with the way that you pulled the pile mm -hmm. is the top card from your plus one pile is the same because you took the top of the deck and like plopped it over mm -hmm. and moved it. So regardless of if you left this as your plus one pile or moved it, it's still the same top card. Mm -hmm. um, and so what it's saying is it's revealed something about your third option. So okay. that's just something to sort of keep in mind with the framework. Because mm -hmm. with tarot cards, like everything sort of has significance because the idea is that it's your subconscious working through the cards. And it's like this, the imagery that pops out at us connects with us because it's based in like lizard brain understandings of the world. Like, okay. like certain things symbolize certain things like to everyone or mm -hmm. to everyone of a certain population or whatever. And it's just like part of being human. It's like mm -hmm. our human memory. And so even stuff like how you put the cards on the table, like the order you split the deck and all that kind of stuff is mm -hmm. part of that. Cool. Um, okay, so the first, the one that I pulled from the top of the deck is just sort of like an overview uh, card of the situation, and it's very apt. It's a, it's a, the Four of Cups, and um, I'll do it in descriptive audio, mm -hmm. because I'm sure not, well actually, tarot's pretty popular, so maybe a lot of people are familiar with the tarot deck, but, mm -hmm. um, so it's three, it's a person with three cups, and there's a fourth one being sort of offered to them, mm -hmm. um, and so the general meaning of this card is sort of having options, having things that are already going on and not feeling like it's enough or not feeling satisfied necessarily with what you have and mm -hmm. like wanting more or wanting some change. Mm -hmm. um, so there's a couple of implications, especially because like we put down like four yeah. options here, three of which are ones that you have going on right now. And yeah. one is like a wild card kind of a pile. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's pretty much just saying like, you're aware of the situation that you're in. Mm -hmm you're aware of how you're feeling about all of it. Mm -hmm. And I think th the other implication is like, you're looking for something outside of yourself to kind of resolve this for you. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes that is the case. And sometimes like there is something that will present itself to you. Mm -hmm. But you have to remember that like you have stuff going on and it's okay to, to just let that stuff resolve or, or just like, yeah. ride that wave um so that's kind of the overview wow. situation yeah um so option one is the two of cups this is something that's really directly linked to another person and relationships with someone else a partnership with someone else mm -hmm. um so like whether it's for example like the podcast because you're like doing it with like one other person like mm -hmm. with Oren. Or like some other situation where it's you and another person interacting with each other on a, a pretty like peer sort of level. Mm -hmm. um, or if that's not what the situation is, it's what you kind of need to be seeking out okay. to get the best out of the situation. That's or, nuts. So like that's, that's your first one. Wow. I'm literally writing. A, so this one is about a pilot that I've written mm -hmm. and it's like, um, it's my first pilot I ever wrote and I've been really like feeling like I need a writing partner mm -hmm. to like mm -hmm. bounce shit off of. So that's whack. Okay. So that one I think is, would be really worthwhile to dig a bit deeper into and mm -hmm. maybe saying like, 
how to search for that, what to look out for, like pros and cons mm -hmm. style. Um, so that's good to know. Okay. Um, the second one is similar. It's almost like the same kind of idea, mm -hmm. but um, like it's same, same, but different. So the card is the lovers and it's not like inherently a romantic card, mm -hmm. um, but it's a card about like a close bond with someone. So again, this is a situation that either is really reliant on being very like straightforward, open and like connected to someone, mm -hmm. or you need that kind of connection for it to be successful. Hmm. Um, so again, it's like, and also just sort of like looking at what's here from the three like main you choices. Mm -hmm. This is a major card and it's the only major card in the three. Mm -hmm. The one here, the, the wild card is a major card as well. Mm -hmm. But the major cards usually imply something that's like quite important to do or deal with, mm -hmm. or it's a very like big factor. So I don't know if this is like your main work or the main thing that you're leaning towards or the thing that you're like kind of struggling the most mm -hmm. with, but there's something going on here that's like really important to sort of like your trajectory as a human and like your story. Yeah. This is, I'm like, another thing that I'm doing is a lot of uh, like stand up comedy and trying to build myself as a comedian mm -hmm. performance wise mm -hmm. and it's been something that I've been struggling to find time to do but also but I do it and I love it mm -hmm. and I've like met up with people that are like this is a good thing to do if you're trying to like establish a career in it mm -hmm. so that's really interesting mm -hmm. I wonder if what it's saying with here this could like there's a little bit where it's sort of like a double entendre not entendre that's not what I'm trying to say it's like it's something that you love to do and mm -hmm. so the lovers came up yeah um or if it's just sort of like really doubling down on the same message as the first card where it's like there's a a missing factor here of like someone to act as you know a partner for you in this work somehow so mm -hmm. whether it's like someone who's helping you book stuff someone who's helping you like write your jokes mm -hmm. someone who's like a comedy partner in mm -hmm. some way comedy partner management partner like something yeah that you need in the space to like help you really like dig in mm -hmm. um that's, so awesome. that's that one yeah uh the third choice is um it's the six of pentacles and this one's an interesting card um to pop up just sort of based on like the very little that you've told me of the situation this is a card literally picturing like a money lender Okay. And so the implication is that you're in a position where you are like managing other people mm -hmm. in a situation where it's like you choose what people get and don't get. You choose what people are giving to you and like yeah. you're filtering whether it's content or like literal pr like products like yeah. things that are being made. Um, whether it's like an actual management or just sort of even like an emotional management mm -hmm. um, sort of a situation. It's saying that, like, you're the one that is, like, in charge mm -hmm. to a certain extent of sort of, like, what the, the future of this situation. Okay. Like, you have a, a bigger impact on the people around you mm -hmm. than the other way around. Wow. Um, and it could be in, like, a very, like, like I said, very literal sense as in, like, being a manager. It could just be something, like, the force of your personality has, like, a big, mm -hmm. like, factor in what's going on in this situation. Mm -hmm. um, so that's what that one is. I just recently started collaborating with this um, YouTuber, 
and we're making like video content mm-hmm. and a lot of it is like like we collaborate but I end up doing a lot of the mm-hmm. the editing and then like the actual making of it and like we are a good team but he has been like yo I need you mm-hmm. and like the implication with this card too every deck is going to be a little bit different with the specific imagery that's shown and I always it's what people mean when they say like decks have personalities yeah is that some of them lean like a bit like spooky and dark some of them lean like very like lighthearted and goofy mm-hmm. some of them lean more sort of personal like inward looking some of them are more outward looking mm-hmm. um so this card what the imagery is implying like you just see like hands like coming from like off yeah. screen and so the idea is you are the one who's in charge and you're the one who's like doing like deciding the give and take mm-hmm. but the implication is that there's a lot being asked of you yeah and that's not necessarily a bad thing it's just sort of and if that's not necessarily what's happening y- right now it's what's yeah. not, like is maybe like the context yeah. or is what's like looming so that's just something to be aware of yeah um i am doing a lot for that though i'm yeah. at, like i'm editing everything we're doing uh-huh. which has been a big stress actually yeah trying to get it all okay cool well, so far this is, like, pretty, we seem to be, like, on pace, which mm-hmm. is good. And then I feel like we can, like, dig into each of these and sort of just give, like, a pro and con or mm-hmm. maybe, like, what to do and what not to do, okay. depending on how you want to, what kind of answer you want. Mm-hmm. Um, the wild card, I always, in these kinds of spreads, um, I was going to say I always do this, but I really only just started doing it when mm-hmm. I realized it's a really good idea, mm-hmm. is it sort of gives you another option or, like, something else to keep in mind in sort of a longer-term scope. Okay. So it's like, with the context of this question being like, I have a lot of, like, fingers in many pies. Like, mm-hmm. what should I keep in mind, or what should I know about it? Um, this one is sort of saying like, okay, well, think ahead to like, why are you making these choices, mm-hmm. and like, what. So it's like, if the first card I pulled is like, here's like a snapshot of what's happening right now. This pile is like, here's an idea of sort of how to frame what's what impact your choices are going to have, mm-hmm. um, which is pretty apt, but also a little bit intimidating. It's um, the judgment card. The judgment card is a major card that sort of deals with, like, the aftermath of choices mm-hmm. and, like, decisions you've made and actions you've taken, and then sort of looking back and being like, okay, like, where has that got me? Like, this is, a, this is a very literal card for the position it's in. Mm-hmm. What it's implying is that the stuff that you're doing now, you need to be thinking ahead of what your real goal is yeah. and being like, okay, how, how are the decisions I'm making and the actions I'm taking getting me further towards or further away from that goal? Mm-hmm. Like, it, it's saying that you need to, like, think about all of these things in like a very um, proactive way mm-hmm. and being like, okay, like what direction do I want to be going in? Like how has this affected me so far and how will it continue to affect me down the line? Mm-hmm. Um, and so this isn't so much like, sometimes this is like another option, like what to do, mm-hmm. but this is more like you don't really, and it's like what I was saying, like paired with, this one here it's like you don't really need more things going on you need to deal with what's already going on okay i see um like you have like a good solid chunk of things that you're doing that are like the right types of things to be doing Mm -hmm. you just need to hone in on like what's what's going on and like what's good okay i see so 
Damn. Yeah. So you don't need to like look outside of like what's going on right now necessarily. Mm-hmm. It's not gonna like give you the answer. Cool. Okay. So, um, yeah. So at this point, what I'd suggest is like for each of these three, mm-hmm. we can do like I said, either a like do's and don'ts or like pros and cons depending mm-hmm. on like I don't know if your question was more like should I keep doing these things or if it's like what should I know about these things? Yeah, maybe, so maybe what should I know about these things? Okay. Easy peasy. So the first one we'll do is like things, positive things about it and things to be aware of and like things to lean into Okay. and then things to lean out of. That's how I always kind of frame it when, when I'm doing these readings. Okay. So in and out. Oh, that's an interesting combo for in and out. Okay. So for the first one, this was your pilot. Mm-hmm. Um, Things to lean into is actually really interesting. This is generally a negative card. It's the Five of Cups. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a card about um, like missed opportunities and regret mm-hmm. um, and sort of things going poorly. Mm-hmm. Uh, but still, like, it's sort of whatever the opposite of seeing the silver lining in something is. I don't mm-hmm. know what phrase that would be. But it's like being like focused on the bad stuff and like sort of forgetting about the good stuff that's mm-hmm. left behind. So in the context of lean in, I think what it's saying is like embrace failure yeah. and embrace almost like it's maybe a little like counterintuitive, but it's saying like be okay with hyper focusing on it mm-hmm. and almost like tunnel visioning it and then it like going yeah. to shit. Yeah. Like that's okay. Yeah. Um I think, like, because of the context of this, like, knowing that it's a creative venture and also knowing that it's your first pilot, this is, like, half cards talking and half just, like, me a human talking is, like, really be okay with just, like, throwing yourself into it, like, being, like, a big, raw, like, emotion person about it and then, like, getting, like, trampled on. Like, that's like do that like that's gonna be really beneficial for in doing this awesome um yeah because the only way i'm gonna get better is to fail literally and i wonder too because you're also saying like you're searching for a second person to collaborate with Mm -hmm. i wonder if there's something here about um like taking a look back at like your burned bridges or what you thought were maybe burned bridges with people Mm -hmm. or people who you wrote off previously as being like, eh, like, I can't work with this person. It's like not a good vibe. Like maybe just revisit that and make sure that that's how you feel about everyone. Like there could be someone that you have previously thought was like a garbage, Mm -hmm. like not a good fit who might actually be like surprisingly good for you in this role. Interesting. Um, yeah, so lean into that, lean away from being, so the page of pentacles is the lean out. This is someone who's like brash, who's like egotistical, a bit pompous and who's like really focused on like winning, on succeeding, Mm -hmm. on like getting money, like that kind of stuff. Like don't do this with the, like basically what the story here is, is like, don't expect it to go anywhere yeah. and be like totally into that. Like yeah. do it for the experience, do it for the exposure, do it for like, like the emotional catharsis that you're yeah. going to get from it. And don't necessarily like go ahead with like the intention of it being like a successful money-making venture. Okay. 
Because the other sort of interesting thing with taking those types of attitudes is like, if you don't focus on trying to make it a job, it can very easily become a job because everything that comes naturally is better quality content. Like creative content is always so much better when it's like genuine raw stuff, right? Mm -hmm. When you're really enjoying yourself, when you're just like being true to your creative self and all that kind of thing. Awesome. So regardless of if it actually becomes like a successful thing, Mm -hmm. be willing for it to not. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> so that's that one. Um, for the second one, you said this was like your stand-up. Yeah, and stuff. like com- comedic. Um, so again, this is like an interesting one where like the lean-in card is sort of like a traditionally negative card. Um, mm. It's the Five of Pentacles. Um, the other thing too is I'm noticing that there's like some echoing of cards going on here in like mm-hmm. various ways. Mm-hmm. Um, there's an implication here that both of these are kind of like. They seem to be linked, um, mm-hmm. even though all of these, all three yeah. are like creative, comedic, like mm-hmm. type work. There's a deeper link between these first two ones. I'm yeah. getting the vibe and the experience that you're going to have, I think across the two is going to be a lot of like same, same yeah. sort of vibes. So just be aware of that going forward. Mm-hmm. Um, so what this is saying is lean into being Again, like emotionally uh, raw and mm-hmm. even like damaged a little bit. Like be willing to almost like get hurt. Yeah. And ask for help and offer help. Okay. Like be like on the level with everyone around you and being like, these are the struggles I'm having. These are the struggles I have had. Mm-hmm. Like I need help dealing with my shit and I want to help you deal with your shit. Like cool. find these reciprocal uh, support systems mm-hmm. in this work like almost like you know not knowing very much about really anything about comedy and mm-hmm. like stand-up and stuff like that like the vibe I'm getting here is like find like a troop yeah you know what I mean like find a team yeah. and find like like people to vibe with in that sort of mm-hmm. that sort of way um the lean away from is like don't like, so it's the three of, of swords. And this is a card that generally is, like, heartbreak. Mm-hmm. So paired with the lovers, the very, like, obvious mm-hmm. story is, like, don't fall in love with one of your, like, troop mates. And, like, get all, oh, like, bust, like, don't, don't, I, I don't know how, like, cuss, cussy this uh, podcast is. No, yeah, like, I swear. Don't shit where you eat. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, don't... Oh, no. That's not the kind of connections that you want to be having. Okay. In this situation. Find connections with people. Be emotionally raw and, and available and, mm-hmm. and forward. Don't turn that into, like, sexy feelings. Yeah. Because that can really go poorly here. Mm-hmm. And that will, like, really sort of drive a wedge between you and what you want to be doing. Okay. You and the you you want to be. Cool. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just funny you say they're linked because ultimately my end goal is to merge performance and writing mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in a career. So that's interesting that you say they're linked. Like, knowing that, I feel like the vibe here is like, you're doing, it's like two, like, this weird picture in my head that's going to be hard to explain over radio. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's like, um, like two little like midgets like little like elvish midgets yeah. like with like 
little foot stamps on sand and they're trying to make like a walking pattern yeah. in the sand. Yeah. So they're two separate dudes yeah. working together. Yeah. And that's kind of what I'm seeing here where it's like they are two separate paths, mm -hmm. but they're going along the same yeah. direction. And that's kind of like mm -hmm. with like the fives happening and then there's like cup, cup, um, and cup actually. Um, so that's kind of like a bit of what I was vibing with. Interesting. Um, so with this third one, and you said this one was YouTube, yeah, YouTube like, comedy something, like collaborating with a, like a new person I'm collaborating mm -hmm. with. So this is an interesting. Again, the, all of these in and outs are kind of weird and like not necessarily what I would have expected. Mm -hmm. So the lean in is Page of Cups. This is one saying you need to be open minded. You need to be emotionally available. Mm -hmm. You need to be emotionally open and like sort of the one offering your emotions first mm -hmm. um, and I wonder if in conjunction with this being like a card about like giving and taking and like people asking a lot of you mm -hmm. um, like on a personal level I don't like suggesting this but mm -hmm. I'll say what the cards are saying which is the idea of like really like being someone's like emotional anchor mm -hmm. or like being the person that deals with the other person's shit yeah like stuff yeah like heart stuff or like emotional brain stuff or whatever mm -hmm. it is um so i don't know exactly what that means in your specific situation mm -hmm. i don't know if that's just like dealing with this other person like being like i want this i want that i feel yeah. this i feel that and you're yeah. like okay sure whatever yeah um or if there's maybe a different way to read that mm -hmm. um you know better than i do mm -hmm. and it's up to you if you want to clarify or dig deeper on that but mm -hmm. that's what the lean in is saying the lean out is the ace of rods um what that's implying is like don't be um there's a couple ways of, of reading this on like if you just look at the picture it's saying like don't beat a dead horse mm -hmm. or don't try to muscle your way through this mm -hmm. what the traditional meaning of the card is more like don't try to start something um too new or like too brazen or mm -hmm. like too out of the box for you okay you don't want to be treating this as if it's like a brand new like a new start like yeah. you can go crazy and do whatever like stay away from that kind of vibe mm -hmm. stick more to what you know or within your wheelhouse yeah um and like this like yeah yeah that's about it dang yeah so you don't want to like strong arm it and you don't want to like lead away from what you're already sort of comfortable with and what you know. Mm -hmm. That's so interesting because the content we're making is very like classic, like Vine, like 10 to 30 second videos. Mm -hmm. And I'm in my like head and what I've said is like, oh, come on, we could be doing something a lot more like interesting, like mm -hmm. a lot more like da 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 and trying to make it something that it's not, I think. Mm -hmm. So I think that that's interesting in terms of like, okay, we're, we've like had success in what we're doing. So let's try and like kind of stick it. with it. Yeah. 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 Mm. And like kind of what I'm seeing here is you almost need to like, it sounds like this is his project that you are part of. Yeah. But you almost have to like take charge a little bit and mm -hmm. like direct it a bit. Okay. But let it follow its like natural course. And like I was saying, like, don't, don't try like, 
rein it in mm-hmm. without um, without directing it is maybe what I'm trying to say. Okay, I see. Is that the best way of phrasing it? I don't know. I but that's it. how I'm going to phrase it. Okay. But that's going to happen. Yeah. What happens with this one? This one I feel like doesn't really need, because of what came up, mm-hmm. like I don't think it's a, a fourth choice. Mm-hmm. I think it was just saying like, oh, this is just the situation. Yeah. Like, this is how you need to frame all of these as you make your choices going forward. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, like, Picture yourself in like 10 years looking back at this period of time. Yeah. What are you thinking about the choices you're making right now? Yeah. And that's maybe like how to picture it in your head when you're going yeah. forward. Being like, what is future me going to be thinking about this? Yeah. Damn. I have a real hard time thinking like that. You got to. And I that's have That's what it's to. saying. You need to practice doing that. Damn. Mm-hmm. All right, Vanessa. Well, I think that's where we're going to end it. Okay, that's okay. all right yeah thank i'm you good so if you're good much. yeah thank you so much this was so insightful and it's crazy how you say like yeah it's like things that you know but it gives you different perspective mm-hmm. and like the ability to sort of work through it in that way yeah i find that that's really the strongest way of interacting with the cards mm-hmm. um because you don't have to be you know a wiccan yeah like, <laughs> earth mother or whatever like they are a deck of cards. Yeah. With just a bunch of pictures on them. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like the most approachable way of dealing with the cards is being like, okay, what is this like bringing up in me? Yeah. Like what I'm, what's resonating here and why is it resonating with me? Yeah. Like if I see like a partnership, like two people interacting on, the, on this card, like why do I see a partnership instead of like two people fighting? Or why yeah. do I see two people fighting like about to like hit each other in the face with these cups instead of, like, a couple. You know what I mean? So that's the best way of interacting. And that's why I think so much of it rings true is because no matter what cards come up, they're going to – something in it is going to connect with you. And what connects and why is really, like, the benefit of of doing this kind of stuff. That's been awesome. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thanks for having me. Yeah, and we can find your podcast again. At, uh, what is it? Buns. Podcast.buns.com forward slash CBR. Woo! We're a crystal ballroom. You can also find us on Facebook. Mm -hmm. And we have Twitter and Instagram, but we're pretty quiet on there right now because we are, I guess, in between seasons would be the way of framing it. Because we started the show last April. Oh, damn. Mm Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, almost a year so, yeah almost a year so yeah so we're sort of just figuring out what we want to be doing going forward but you can listen to all of our past episodes mm-hmm. on the website on google music on itunes apple podcast whatever it's called now mm-hmm. all those things Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Amazing. All that stuff. And I'm going to be away next week. Oren's going to be away. So I don't know if we'll do, I'll do like a podcast that's like, because I'm going on a little trip, going to Los Angeles. Oh, cool. Yeah. So I don't know if I'll be doing a podcast there or if not, we'll be taking a week off and then Oren comes back and then I'm gone. So it'll be a solo Oren. Oh, I wonder what he's going to do. I know. Maybe he'll be like, I gotta get you on now. Yeah. <laughs> Another yeah. crystal ballroom. Anyways, thanks so much for listening, guys. And we'll see you soon. Bye. Bye.
Thank you so much. Too much shit in your apartment? Get rid of it today on the Buns app. Available in the App Store, Google Play Store, or online at buns.com. Okay, so like I said at the top of the show, this is the debut of the Ask Boris segment. So rather than an interview, it's a series of user questions for the Buns famous Boris. And if you don't know who that is, maybe listen to last week's episode to get some insight. Here we go. Buns little different this time, this episode. Instead of an interview, we're trying out a new segment that I... Uh, maybe you heard last episode, because I think I'm going to run this interview bef- or your interview before this episode. Um, we're going to do a little segment called Ask Boris. Uh, I'm not going to introduce it too much because uh, I, I'm going to let Boris speak for himself. And on that note, hello, friends. It's Boris Pavlovich. Um... So this is a little idea that I've been bouncing around for a while. Um, people, you know, love to ask me questions on, you know, the help zone, other places. And I figured I could spin it into something a little bigger. Um, so the way I have envisioned this is a sort of dirtbag ask prudence. Not necessarily, not necessarily relationship stuff, but just anything. You know, the kitchen sink doesn't work, your landlord's fucking with you, whatever and you'll get it delivered to you in my characteristic course way. So um, before we get into it, a um, couple things off the bat. First of all, all these questions are real, uh, sent to me or posted um, for this purpose um, on uh, the Buns groups or emailed to uh, askboris at buns.com. Um, also, important upon it that I am not an expert in anything per se. Um, If I at any point speak to, I don't know, um, some sort of legal issue, like this is not legal advice, I'm not a lawyer, don't take this to the bank, Uh, health stuff, the same kind of rule applies. And if I think it's worth pointing out on a particular question, I'll probably make a point of saying it again and just stressing that like I'm not a doctor. With all that being said, I think we should get into it. Ooh, exciting. So, people love being nosy. Lots of people have asked me questions, you know, like, who is, who is Boris the man? So this seems like as good a place as any to start. Um, a question from Eleonora. What is the history of Boris, as in Boris the Bun's persona? And to that I would answer that it's not really a persona. Um, the history of Boris is more or less the history of me. I mean, it's, you know, like, I, I don't have the face that I have in my display picture, that's fair, but, yeah, I don't know, like, I don't, I don't, like, put on an act or anything. You get the real deal, believe it or not. Um, the people who know me in real life, like, they will confirm this. Like, I'm, I'm a strange sort of person, but I think it works. Um, in terms of personal history, um, cause yeah, people love to know this stuff. Um, I am in my twenties, Toronto native. Um, I've been a metal worker of one sort or another for something like 10 years. I've been a busybody who likes to tell people things they didn't ask for my entire life. And, um, that 
Yeah, that's an extremely condensed version that gets us more or less up to where we are right now. Um, I have uh, operated my own small businesses. I currently operate a smoke and hammer forge, which makes artisanal smoke and dab tools. I uh, plugged it in the last interview. Um, that's moving forward now. Um, I'm going to school. Uh, I keep busy. <laughs> yeah. Um, we have a question from Jason Douglas. Would you rather have fingers as long as your arms or arms as long as your fingers? Now, I had, I struggled with this one for a long time. You're starting with the hard questions here. Yeah, I know. I know. Um, I just wanted to get right into it. Um, this one I had to do a lot of research on, a lot of, a lot of soul searching. I put surveys out to get the general feel. Um, Can I, I ask you a question about this question? Absolutely. Yeah. Do I have a number of joints in my fingers that allow me to curl them many, many times, or is it the same number of joints? They're just longer. Mm, I interpreted it as the same number of joints, but longer. Uh, it's Yeah, I know. I might have to get Ooh. back to him about this one. Okay. But that said, I concluded that I would rather have fingers as long as my arms. The reason being that you ever see an eye, like those like marsupial-esque things from Madagascar, they're not they're nocturnal they have like terrifying skeleton hands i think that'd be pretty cool so like i, I kind of have to go with the long fingers I'm, I'm with you on that one long fingers for sure <laughs> it just seems like it has more utility mm -hmm. um veronica asks what is your favorite color I don't have a favorite color, and I reject the entire concept of having a favorite color as inherently flawed. But if I had to pick one, it would be green. Um, My favorite color is cerulean blue. That's, that's very specific. What can I say? I'm a, I'm a man of specificity. <laughs> Uh, Morgan asks, um, do you own any pets? And the answer to that would be no. I, I used to own pets, used to have cats and dogs, stuff like that, but I currently don't because, well, you make compromises with, with apartment living. But I like them. Might have them again someday. I have um, both. Cat and a dog. Nice. Uh, what else we got here? You guys are getting to know me at the same time as Boris. <laughs> Morgan also asks, what's a typical day for you? Um, it varies depending on the day, of course, but for the most part, it consists of, I wake up, do a whole bunch of things I don't really want to do, but I have to, or like I stop getting paid or whatever. And then at some point I get to do a couple hours of things that I actually enjoy. Um, I don't know if this is typical, but it's a system that works pretty well for me. Um, yeah, no, I stay pretty busy. Go to school, go to work. Um, I get weekends questions. off. I get weekends off. Yeah, answer questions. Yeah. I stay busy, needless to say. Uh, ooh, we have another question from Jason Douglas. Do you think Boris would give me away on my wedding day? It would be an honor, Jason. Just just hit me up. You know my email. Would you do it in disguise? Yeah, I think so. Like, if I had to pick, it would... 
Yeah, I'd have to approach it the right way. Um, I feel like you'd have to come dressed as your display picture. Yeah, yeah, I'd have to be wearing a mask or something, and like I couldn't talk, but I'd just like be surly or something. <laughs> I don't know. I think I, th- I think it would work. I think it would work. Just uh, yeah, hit me up, Jason. Um, so in terms of personal questions, I think that rounds out things pretty well. Um, if in the future you have any other nosy inquiries or, uh, probing questions that you'd like me to answer, feel free to pass them along. But moving on to more general things that are actually of interest and assistance to people. Um, what do we got here? Sheeman asks from the Facebook group, Boris, thank you for taking my call. I'm currently in the shower and I can't help but wonder who invented the spirograph and how did they come up with such a fabulous invention? Please advise. Sincerely, a longtime listener, Carol. Um, thanks, Sheeman. Um, first off, I'm very upset that you have uh, misidentified yourself to me. Um, I'm going to hold this grudge for a while to come. Uh, but I'm still going to try to answer the question in a fair and even-handed way, despite uh, this incredible treachery that you have foisted upon me. So, who invented the spirograph? I don't know if this was a serious question, but I, again, said I was going to tackle every question entirely seriously, so, like, this is this is you reaping what you sow. The person who invented the spirograph, it depends on how you define spirograph, because the spirograph was a toy patented in 1965 by a British engineer named Dennis Fisher. That said, there were lots of other things that are approximately spirograph-like that preceded it. So if, we're, so if we can extend that past the specific trademarked spirograph, we go all the way back to a device proposed by one engineer, Peter Hubert Devin, in 1827, who was inspired by a type of metalworking lathe called the Rose Engine. This is, I've managed to rope this into one of my own personal interests, so uh, just uh, strap in tight, everybody. The Rose Engine is a type of uh, metal lathe. It's, uh, well, take a step back. Metal lathe is a thing that spins a bar of metal around and you cut. Um, like along like a, like a rotational axis. Um, a rose engine is a decorative item. Um, it uses a whole bunch of different configurable settings in the machine itself to trace a particular pattern that it scratches or engraves in something, always geometric. So it's pretty interesting in that it basically expresses mathematical concepts. Anything you can do on a rose engine, you can write, a, write an equation for. Um, a spirograph is a much simpler version of something that operates similarly. Um, a spirograph is basically a way of expressing certain mathematically defined uh, geometric shapes. In particular, let's see if I can get this, hypotrochoids and epitrochoids. Uh, you're going to have to look those up. But uh, a rose engine can draw those, and a spirograph can also draw those. Um, the first implementer, or the first idea for this kind of device was, I, I think, to produce difficult-to-falsify stamps on currency or something like that. But I don't think it was ever built. Then we go forward a bit, and we end up with one Bruno Abakanowitz in the late 19th century, and he built the very first real spirograph as a mathematical tool for expressing those concepts we talked about. 
And then after that, you see people picking them up as toys. Various people manufactured them as toys in the early, mid-20th century. And then finally, eventually, someone actually patented the thing as the Spirograph in 1965. So, everything you ever wanted to know about Spirographs, and like way, 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 way more. Just be careful what you ask for, okay? Moving on. Uh, Melissa asks, why is my asthma acting up? Um, the answer for this one is the same as the answer for the, this type of question. 100% of the time, uh, original sin. Um, I was raised a Catholic, so original sin is usually the explanation for almost anything bad that happens to a person without explanation. It's a safe bet that if your asthma is acting up, it just has something to do with sin in one way or another. So... Yeah, shape up, I guess. Boris says God's punishing you. <laughs> oh, I didn't say that. God did. I'm just uh, the messenger, I suppose. Mm. <sighs> Once Catholicism puts the guilt in your bones, it never gets out. The messenger. <laughs> I like that. Um, mm. Spread the word, sir. Tumultuous in Toronto asks, I've heard that you can hire a realtor to house slash apartment slash condo hunt for you and it's commission free. What is this black magic? Is it true? Please help me, Boris. So, if you're talking about renting, that is more or less correct. Um, you can, in fact, get a realtor to do the some of the work for you. Help you find places, um, look at them, pull up listings, contact landlords, that kind of thing. But that comes with a few qual uh, qualifications, exceptions, upsides and downsides. Um, you don't pay, first off, the commission thing, you don't pay anything. Typically speaking, the landlord ends up paying, uh, or the landlord's agent ends up paying uh, for any realtor services. Um, not always, like it's not necessary. If for some reason a realtor pulled a listing um, from somewhere other than the MLS that they usually work with, hypothetically that the landlord might not be expecting to pay a fee and might not want to. Um, again, I'm not an expert on this. Just I'm, I'm, I'm sure some realtor is going to hear this and just like absolutely flip their shit. Um, I heard a rumor that it was uh, the first month's rent goes to the... Uh Goes to the realtor. That the, the like that's the commission structure. Yeah, yeah, like like it's like you look at the yearly rent and like a month of that is like their their commission effectively. Yeah. Um. So yeah, they they get paid, and as a rule, it will be by the landlord, not you. So yeah, the upsides are obviously it costs you nothing. Um, they do a lot of the work for you. Um, in terms of finding listings, going to listings. If the realtor drives, they might even give you a ride somewhere. Um, they want you to rent a place ASAP, and they're generally willing to facilitate that. So they can be a big help. And another upside that people don't often realize is that realtors are often working from a slightly different pool than the casual renter off the street is. You know, you go to your Craigslist or your PadMap or whatever if you want to find a place, but... Realtors will go with the MLS first, which is like their own Byzantine system for looking at housing listings. 
Um, and an actual, like an actual accredited realtor gets early access to these listings. The public can look at like the, um, at these listings, but they have to wait, I believe it's 48 hours before uh, listings go public. So realtors have a 48 hour window where they can see new listings that nobody else can. So people don't often realize this, but that is one avenue where you can get an in on apartment rentals. Um, that you wouldn't be able to get otherwise, and you wouldn't have any access to whatsoever without working with a realtor. Now, there are also downsides to this. Um, like, I mean, the, the big one is that there's fundamentally a conflict of interest. You're not paying the realtor. Like, they don't, they don't really owe you shit. You're a vehicle to them getting paid. And the sooner as, you know, you can be fobbed off, the sooner they get paid. So they're not necessarily actually representing your interests. Um, like if you're looking for a bargain, a cheap place that goes directly against them getting paid more. So it's not in their interest to hunt for bargains. It's not in their interest to like really dig for places that meet all your needs. They just want to get you paying as much as you can practically afford as soon as possible. And you can see how that can create issues for you. Um... They can also be picky about their clients if you don't have a good credit score, if or, you know you don't have steady employment, if, if you don't look like a fantastic tenant on paper, they may not want to deal with you because if landlords don't want you as a tenant, then they're wasting their time going to viewings and arranging all this. So if you don't look really good on paper, a realtor might just not be interested in working with you at all. Um, now this is a big one. Uh, lower end rentals are more or less excluded by um, working with a realtor. You're only going to be looking at whole apartments that you hold the lease to. Um, you, if you need, you know, if you're looking to live with someone else, like with roommates, like this is just a no help to you whatsoever. And of course, they don't want to work for cheap because they don't make much money off it. So that's another incentive against lower-end rentals uh, being something that they'll help you with. Um, and the MLS thing that I mentioned earlier is an upside has a flip side. It's that because they work, uh, they, like they, they draw their listings, or they rather they look at listings from the MLS so disproportionately heavy, um, they're not looking at the other places that you will often be looking for apartments. They're not going on Craigslist or PadMap or, you know, they're not walking around apartments that you, excuse me, they're not walking around neighborhoods that you want to live in looking for signs in the window from that little old lady who hasn't heard what market prices are nowadays. So they give you access to a new pool of rentals, but Working exclusively with a realtor also limits your access to other ones that you would normally access. I think that more or less sums it up. So, in conclusion, yes, you can get a realtor to help you find a place. However, if you're looking for a cheap place, you want to look with roommates, it won't be much help to you. And... Generally speaking, it'll be higher end units, or at least not room rentals, that uh, you're going to be considering. And of course, you have to do your due diligence in terms of actually making sure that places that they pick out for you are cheap or, you know, like what you want. So, so essentially, it's got to be a two-pronged attack. I mean, you, you probably want to have them help you, but you want to continue to look for yourself as well. 
And uh, I think I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that Bunce has a home zone. Exactly. So, and apartment oh. zone. So you can find exactly what you're looking for if the realtor can't. I'm actually kind of embarrassed that I didn't rattle that one off. Yeah, the home <laughs> zone. The home zone, yeah. You you should be in the home zone if you're looking for room rentals, stuff like that. Great place. Love it. Good people. Very friendly. Yeah. Well, reasonably friendly anyway. I mean, I probably drag that down a bit. Just don't be a radical right-wing uh <laughs> evangelist yeah. and you'll be fine yeah we're, weirdly enough we might not be that friendly if <laughs> if that is the case um ooh, we have a thinky think question from armin i'm out <laughs> <laughs> is war necessary what ultimate conditions does peace require can we live without war well, Armin, that's an excellent question. So he's essentially asking war, what is it good for? Um, mm, I, I Say it again. <laughs> uh, I won't say absolutely nothing. I mean, I just did, but, you know, that just feels a little cheap. Um, so uh, answering this question earnestly, it depends on how you approach war and how you think it operates and why you think it exists. Um, like, I mean, there are a couple of broad schools of thought on this. I promise I won't like go too deep into them. Um, you have the view that it's uh, a tool and an extension of other things. Like, I mean, this is like uh, von Clausewitz's like whole deal. Um, what did he say? War is the continuation of politics by other, by any other means. Um, uh, you know, he believed that it operated by the same force that uh, economies operate by or political uh, forces and nations operate by. That basically war is a, like a rational to a certain degree. Um, like that's that's heavily loaded and I'm mangling close fits horribly here. But that it is an extension of other things and happens for essentially logical and coherent reasons of self-interest on the party of whoever's starting the war. And then you have positions like, I don't know, like, uh, ooh, my, my main man Karl Marx is, who, famous quote, the history of all hitherto existing society is the history of all class struggles. Now, how that relates to this is that war is a single facet of something much bigger, of a bigger conflict that isn't strictly military. Um... He still believes they happen for rational reasons, but that they're all, but, but that things happen in the service of something in particular, in this case, class struggle and, you know, like the bourgeoisie accumulating capital, blah, 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 blah. Um, and of course, you have a third school of thought that like, war is, you know, like a catastrophe. It, it happens for no reason. It happens because people make the wrong decisions. There is no coherent explanation for death and destruction which is pretty sympathetic if you think about it. And there's others, of course, but to bring this back to somewhere where, where there's an end in sight, um, basically, if you think that conflict happens for a reason that is actually addressable in an, a substantive way, then we may eventually never have war, if that's the position you take. Um, I mean, like, if you believe that war exists solely in, in, in the service of uh, one side or another of class struggle, effectively, then if class struggle is ever won, then by extension, conflict as we know it isn't strictly necessary. 
On the other hand, if you think that it's just a tool, as long as people have disagreements, then those disagreements will eventually extend far enough to become some sort of conflict on some scale. Do you think it's inevitable? <sighs> Is war inevitable? Uh, probably. Probably. Uh, I mean, so long as misunderstanding and aggression exist in society, I feel like war is a is a very possible outcome. Yeah, yeah, it's one of those things that I'm like. I mean, yeah, that like that, that's essentially coherent to me. It's one of those things that I also I I also have some reservations about strictly because my imagination is limited to a degree, like. I mean, this isn't war, but a good example is something like um, poverty, homelessness. These are things that uh, probably most people treat as just a fact of life. You know, we can, you know, like, we can donate to charity. We can try to do things to fix it. But no one has any serious concept that we could just make homelessness go away. Of course, if you expand your perspectives a bit, you absolutely can. If we have more than enough housing for every person in Canada to have a home, then by extension, of course, we could eliminate poverty and homelessness. We could do it tomorrow. It's just a matter of willpower and the desire to actually address that. Many people don't have a sincere desire to do that, and a great many people would have an issue with what, what would be necessary to actually see that come to fruition. So, when it comes to war, I mean, as far as the world as I see it, it seems like it's going to keep grinding on in the usual shitty, detestable ways that just sow death and destruction as far as the eye can see. But, if we organize things a little differently, or if things in the future were different, I don't know. I do, I, I mean, I'm a cynic at heart, but I do have some tiny nucleus of, 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 of hope hiding somewhere in there. So, I don't think that directly answers your question, but I rambled around it for a couple of minutes, and I think that's the best I can do. It sounds good to me. I mean, I don't know that we'll be able to answer that question in this podcast. Yeah, yeah that's maybe a little unfair. <laughs> but uh, until then, just buy stocks in Boeing and other... Uh, yeah, yeah, GE. Other yeah. manufacturers of death and destruction. Mm-hmm. What's a little blood on your hands for a fatter wallet? Um, who else we got? Oh, I uh, did the spirograph. I'm absolutely not going to do that one again. Ah, here's one. Um, an anonymous user asks, does the Sinclair method and naltrexone work to stop or curb alcoholism? And this is, this is one that I wasn't sure if I wanted to tackle because obviously it's, it's, it's quite a sensitive issue and very personal one for a lot of people. Um, like me personally, um, like I've been affected by addiction in my own life. Um, it's something that I feel I should speak to if I can. At the same time, things like recovery and addiction treatments are intensely personal. Um, strong objective data on it is often difficult to find or difficult to rely on. And in general, it's a highly personal thing. Um, 
and again, I need to add that, of course, I'm not um, uh, any sort of uh, addiction treatment specialist. I'm not a medical authority. Um, like, I don't want to give that image. But from my perspective, with all those reservations, I can still probably uh, take a crack at it because, again, I think it's worth answering. So, um, a little bit of background. Um, there are, and again, this is grossly oversimplifying, but when it comes to treating alcoholism in particular, there tend to be two broad schools of thought. Uh, the one that dominates in North America, I should say the U.S. especially, is um, like group-based, uh, like 12-step uh, programs, uh, Alcoholics Anonymous, stuff like that. Um, they, have a, they tend to have a particular approach. They're always group-based. They always have principles, and to the best of my knowledge, and again, I'm not an authority on this, to the best of my knowledge, they tend to focus on abstinence-only approaches. They have very little tolerance for anything um, more permissive of um, drinking or, you know, like a substance abuse, essentially. Um, the other one is a more uh, pharmacologically oriented approach um, using any number of drugs um, that have various effects, often augmented with therapy. And uh, I should add, things like 12-step programs are often augmented by uh, individual therapy. Um, uh, no one approach is considered effective by itself. It depends on the individual, et cetera, et cetera. So the Sinclair method and naltrexone. Um, naltrexone is an, I believe it's called an opioid uh, competitive agonist. Basically, when you take this drug, opiates don't work on you. Um, I believe it was originally developed to treat uh, opiate addiction because when you're taking this drug, you like you just you have difficulty or can't get high. Um, but somebody found that in the case of alcohol, for reasons that we're not 100% sure of in terms of brain chemistry, naltrexone appears to reduce the appeal of drinking alcohol and the positive effects you get from drinking alcohol. Um, the Sinclair method, uh, it's, it's the name for a particular patented, uh, or trademarked rather, uh, approach to this is that by taking naltrexone before before drinking, you can effectively cut off the cycle of, like, the feedback loop that makes people drink. The impulsiveness and um, it helps reduce cravings, that kind of thing. It, basically, it, it tries to deliberately break um, the loop of drinking, being drunk, feeling bad, wanting to drink more. Um... But an inherent part of the Sinclair method is that it's expected to happen while you're still drinking. So this often puts it at odds with the conventional alcohol um, recovery treatments that are popular in uh, the U.S. and North America, um, like twelve-step, you know, like twelve-step program in A and all those. Like they, they, they do not have time for this because you're expected to stop drinking, not drink as part of therapy. Like it's can they consider it counterintuitive. Um, well, the second one seems to imply that the reasons for drinking are more biochemical than they are, I don't know, personal or yeah, yeah, psychological. Like, uh, it's it's 
th that is the assumption, and um, as I understand the most, uh, well, recent scholarship and research on the issue, it does have a significant, um, like, physiological uh, component. I mean, addiction obviously does, um, but even even in terms specifically of alcoholism, it often does have, like, it, it's fundamentally an empirical, like, medical issue. Um, 12 step program and a they they emphasize that it has a spiritual component um i know at least like aa does um and they believe that without that without making a transformation in your life beyond like the medical recovery isn't going to be successful or at least it's not a good way to do recovery it's not going to work for most people whatever um like basically that school of thought rejects like a strictly medical approach to it um because aa and 12-step programs and just that approach is so overwhelmingly predominant in the u.s and by spillover extension canada it's been difficult for other methods to get a foothold here um whereas in europe uh naltrexone and other uh treatments there's, there's a couple different ones um they are much more popular and much more accepted. Uh, I believe it's Finland, uh, don't quote me on this, but I believe Finland actually currently uses naltrexone as the standard uh, alcohol uh, abuse treatment. Like it's their official position that this is the one that they, they roll with and they recommend. So to answer the initial question, does the Sinclair method in naltrexone work to stop curb alcoholism? As far as the data actually shows, it appears to have a beneficial effect and does appear to work if you take it before drinking. Um, interestingly enough, it has absolutely no effect if you take it without drinking. If you're doing an abstinence alone thing, um, naltrexone, it works like a placebo. It has like no noticeable effect whatsoever. It might actually have a slight negative effect. But if you take it with drinking, there the majority of studies, and I, I actually did pull up papers and stuff before deciding to tackle this. I'm not quoting them right now, but I did a little bit of homework. The consensus is that it works. It's significantly more effective than placebo. I don't want to say it's more effective than uh, like a 12-step program or any of the other uh, pharmaceutical approaches, or especially don't want to say that if it'll work for you, the listener, but it appears to be a viable approach for at least some people. Um, like, f full disclosure, I've never been in alcohol recovery myself, but um, I did do some readings, um, like among like online communities of people who are in recovery and stuff, and Naltrexone has a lot of supporters and also a fair number of people who said it just didn't work for them. So, like with all addiction treatments and approaches to addiction, um, the only thing you can really rely on is that nothing works 100% of the time for 100% of the people. Some things work better for some people, others work better for other people. And you have to know yourself, and you have to be willing to stick to it, and also, coupling it with other therapies is usually a really, really good idea. Like, you know, taking conventional, like, therapy, like, you know, uh, like one of the types of talk therapy, something like that is, in, in the research I've seen, again, not personal experience, um, consistently improves outcomes, reduces relapses, um, and generally makes for a better quality of life coming out the other end. So, question asker, I 
don't know if the Sinclair method will work for you, but it does work for many people. And all, all, the majority of studies out there suggest that it tends to work for people. So I, I hope that's of some use to you. Good luck. Yeah, good luck. And on that upbeat note, I think that's all we have for today. All right. Well, I have a question for you, but I don't think I'm going to get an answer. Shoot. I am looking for a classic car. Mm. I saw your post about it. I did I did see I did see the post, but continue. continue. So, uh what is the best way you think? And I, maybe I'll leave this with you and you can inform me the next <laughs> time, but uh you know, a lot of the times I see cars in places that are obviously too far for me to get to to check it out myself. Mm-hmm. What do you think would be a good method of ensuring that you don't get a lemon? Hmm. Now, I haven't bought uh, a car privately myself. I know people who have, and for the most part, they've had okay experiences with the huge caveat that every time it was someone buying a car for like $800 because they just needed something to get to school and they were going to run it until it died. So they expected a lemon coming in the door. Right. That being said, um, if you can't go and inspect it yourself, are there, are there car brokers? Is that a thing? There are definitely brokers and uh, with some... Googling, there are some mechanics that you can hire that will do inspections for you. Mm, yeah, that makes sense. So I guess the question is, how do I find a reputable? <laughs> yeah. Um, well, rule of thumb, if you're paying them and the person who's selling the car isn't paying them, then you're probably, you're, you're probably on the right path. That's but, probably um, true. Yeah, unfortunately, I can't uh, be more specific than that because uh, never had to import a car, weirdly enough. Has, hasn't come up yet. Well, so the last question I have for you is if somebody has a question for you, where Uh, can you be reached? Well, you can get hold of me in a couple different ways. Um, The easiest way and the one I always lead with, you should do this one if you can, is to email askboris at buns.com. I check that email all the time. Um, You can ask a question privately that you don't even want to go on air. You can do that. I don't care. Go ahead. A couple of people have. You just send your question and I'll answer it privately. Or, you know, I can do it this way as well. It's up to you. Um, yeah, you can email Ask Boris. Uh, you can message me on Facebook. Um, if you have been in like a very deep hole until the past 15 seconds, my Facebook profile is Boris Pavlovich. Uh, I'm all over buns. Just take a look. You'll find me. Uh, and... You can, I post threads periodically, um, soliciting questions, informing people of, you know, what's going on with this segment, et cetera, et cetera. You can post a comment there and I will also answer it here. Of course, if you do that, I can't answer it anonymously because your name's right there. But, um, yeah, you got options, whatever you're comfortable with, whatever's easy. And, um, yeah, just please send them in. Um, yeah, we got a, you know, we got a good stable of questions to work with, but like the more the merrier. And uh, again, I promise I will take them seriously, answer them diligently, and speak from the heart. That is the most I can promise you, lovely listeners. 
I think uh, Boris just threw down a challenge. Get weird with it, guys. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for answering some questions for us. And uh, I think maybe we'll, uh, we'll hear from you again in a couple weeks. Here's hoping. All right, guys. Keep asking. Take it easy.